You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. What a blessing, the cross. Christ is not on it. Uh, He's alive, but what he did for us on the cross brought salvation. What a blessing. Uh, Thankful for that. Keep your Bibles out here as we're in Colossians chapter 2. And as we're uh, here in this passage, the Apostle Paul was the author, the penman of uh, this passage of Scripture. And, And if I were to take just Bible characters... Uh, and who would be my favorite Bible characters? I have a few. Of course, the Lord is uh, first and foremost. But when you're talking about human people that uh, we, can, we can really identify with, uh, I, I see people with skin on them, and you see their failures, you see things that they went through. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. Uh, you know, when, when God could use somebody that is sort of like me, and somebody that has to deal with life just like we have to deal with life. And, and so there's, there's certain people that I really uh, I look at. I, I think about Moses in the Old Testament. He's my f- favorite Old Testament character. Uh, just the leadership uh, that God used and gave him uh, great insight and used him as he led the people of God. Uh, I love David. Uh, just the, the fact that he was a man after God's own heart. And he had his failures, but when you look at it in the New Testament, God looked back at David and said, he was a man after my own heart. After he committed sin, after his failures, and he was still, uh, God was a God that uh, is forgiving and he will take us right where we are at. And that is, that's a blessing. Uh, and then we think about uh, uh, just uh, uh, some other characters. I love Samuel. Uh, I like the fact that when Samuel would come to town, uh, they would send messengers out. The king would send messengers out to Samuel to find out whether or not he was coming peaceably. And uh, are you coming to pronounce judgment or are you coming in good favor? And they'd bring him gifts. Hey, Samuel, we have some things for you. Don't judge us. Uh, And so it's just sort of comical. But when we look in the New Testament, I look at the Apostle Paul. And I see a man who from the time he got saved to the time he lost his head as a martyr, he was somebody that was just busy about doing the work of God. And he just kept on going. He kept on going when there was opposition from the church. You remember, he was the persecutor of the church. And when he got saved, the church didn't want to let him in because they didn't trust him. And then uh, he went over, he went back to Tarsus and he was gone for three years. And then uh, Barnabas went and got him and brought him back and uh, brought him back into the church of Antioch. And you see how uh, he had grown. And, and all of a sudden now, Paul was a, a vessel that was being used for the glory of God. Uh, Paul and Barnabas take off on a missions trip and uh, multiple missions trips, starting churches and uh, sharing the gospel and uh, just reaching people for Christ. And, you know, when I look at Paul, I think about just uh, how God used a simple man, a person who 
was not perfect, a person who had struggles. Uh, they, they, say, they say that uh, his uh, thorn in the flesh may have been bad eyesight. He said, you see how large a letter I write unto you. And uh, he was, uh, they believed that he had very bad eyesight, and so he would write very big uh, to be able to communicate. And then he had, of course, people that would translate for him because of that. Uh, you know, I think about Miss Frassy, and uh, if you've ever been around her, uh, she's, she is blind, uh, legally blind, but uh, she has her cell phone, and she can actually text. And she's got those, those letters are about this big on her phone. It's just, it's comical uh, to see it, but she's able to communicate and, uh, and be able to, to see. And, uh, and, and she doesn't let that, that uh, stop her in her, her uh, uh, just living and interacting. And, uh, but it's, but if, if I were to pick up her phone and try to text anything, it would take me forever. Uh, you know, just because of uh, trying to navigate through this page with these three letters and the next page with three more letters. Uh, but uh, anyway, you know, uh, God uses ordinary people. And now Paul, as he is writing, he is writing to a group of people in a town that we have no, no account of him ever going to. He's writing to a church that According to the, uh, the places where it's stated that he went, it's, there, is no, there is no historical record or biblical record of Paul ever going to Colossae. He went by Colossae, and he went by Laodicea, and we have these two towns that are mentioned right here, but it doesn't ever say that he had ever gone there. Look with me again, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. And Paul here, as a spiritual individual, he cared about these people that he never knew. They never saw his face. He never saw their face, yet he cared about them. And this morning, I want to take that little phrase. He said, for I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. And I want to speak to you on the subject this morning, the great conflict, the great conflict. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your word. You know exactly what we need in our lives. And, and I pray that the Spirit of God would take the truths that are going to be taught uh, and just apply them, uh, Lord, to our lives personally and individually. And Lord, each of us are coming from different backgrounds and uh, we are in different situations. Uh, but Lord, we're so thankful that your word applies to all of us. And so uh, do that which we cannot do and, and speak to our hearts and just lead us, please. For Christ's sake, I pray. 
Amen. So here, Paul, he was uh, in great conflict. I want you to see, first of all, the conflict. What was the conflict that Paul had? Uh, he, was, he was in conflict. He had, he had a struggle that was going on. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as not, have not seen my face in the flesh. He said, I have great conflict for you and the church at Laodicea, for you that were in the church uh, at Colossae, and for everybody else that had not seen his face. What he was saying was, I care about people. Paul was, he was a person that was in conflict. There was, uh, there was a need. He saw he was in conflict for, for uh, you, the people at Colossae, for them uh, that were in Laodicea. So for the church at Colossae, for the church uh, in Laodicea, for the people of Colossae, for the people at Laodicea. You know, the ministry is people. The ministry is people. The ministry is not buildings. They're just tools. The ministry is people. Sometimes I wonder why God called me into the ministry. Because sometimes I don't like people. You know, the reality is, when we deal with people, that's what ministry is. It's ministry dealing with people that we get along with. And it's ministry dealing with people we don't get along with. It's ministry dealing with those that we agree, and it's ministry dealing with those that we disagree. You know, Paul here was an individual that he cared about people. And, and, and as he was relaying this to us, he relays it in a, with a term that is a term we don't like. Conflict. You know, some people thrive on conflict. I mean, they just like the drama. Everything has to be conflict. I don't like conflict. I, I don't like conflict. And Paul was saying that I have great conflict, and he's, he's talking to these people, and, and what he was saying, if you look that word up, it's a word that literally means the place of assembly or stadium. It's saying, it's talking about the location of struggle, the location of of the battle. Now you have to think about con uh, contrast uh, yeah, or to the, the culture of the day. We think about the Colosseums. Well, what went on in the Colosseums? They had the races. They, they had, uh, and Paul used a lot of, uh, of similarities, and he would use illustrations. I had fought a good fight, the battle. Uh, he said, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, talking about a physical battle. Uh, he talked about the races, run the race. He said, I have finished my course. There was a race. Uh, we think about Paul and in the days of Nero, uh, what was going on in that day? Uh, believers 
believers uh, were literally uh, brought into these, these stadiums, and they would have the gladiators, they would have the wild beasts. Uh, they say that uh, they would take wild boars. They said that they would take wild dogs and starve them, and they would take uh, lions as well, and they would throw Christians uh, and, and people that were uh, lawbreakers. Uh, you know what the law that the Christians broke? They would not worship Nero. They would not worship they would not worship Caesar. They would not worship these leaders, these false gods. And because of that, then they were considered uh, criminals. And so then they would take them and bring them into these stadiums and they would have them torn to pieces. And Paul, what you're saying is, I'm in conflict. I'm in a struggle, and he was in a struggle for the people of these churches, and, and he's going to tell us what that conflict was, but that conflict was a reality that he understood the spiritual warfare that was being waged. He understood that uh, it was life and death, not just the physical life and death. There was a spiritual warfare that was being waged. And Paul understood that. And we see that over and over and over again. Uh, several verses, uh, we see this word, uh, ageo, uh, that it's used. Uh, Philippians 1.30, having the same conflict, which he saw in me, and now here uh, to be in me. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 2, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated. As ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention, uh, that opposition, that struggle, yet he kept on doing what God wanted him to do, even though there was opposition, even though there was a struggle. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, tw uh, 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed the good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight. Uh, make sure. He understood. Paul said, I, I understand there's a conflict. And Paul's struggle wasn't that Paul wasn't fighting the fight. Paul's struggle was that the people weren't wanting to fight the fight. There was a tendency just to back off because of the opposition. Let me tell you, today is not a day for believers to back off. It's not a day for us to be silenced and uh, the world keeps getting more worldly and the wicked become more wicked and the evil becomes more pronounced and accepted in our culture. And you and I have to recognize there's a spiritual battle. It's not just uh, some of the disagreements of uh, people. It's not just uh, one person wants to live this way and another person wants to live this way. Uh, the reality is there is right and there is wrong. There is truth and there is error. And you and I as believers, we've got to understand there is a struggle going on. And, and Paul here is a spiritual leader. He was in conflict because he was afraid people were not going to be willing to fight the good fight. They were, they were not wanting to stand for truth. You know what? Just because we don't like conflict doesn't mean we shouldn't be in it. Paul was in conflict. Paul was, he was in the battle. 
Paul was in the fight. But his struggle for the believers in these churches, he was afraid that they weren't going to stay in the fight. They were not going to they were not going to stay true to truth and and because of that Paul was in turmoil. It, it caused him to live uh, and to to focus and and he had such great burden for the people of God to remain faithful, to remain faithful to the Lord, to remain faithful to the faith, to remain faithful to the cause of Christ, to remain faithful to the church. And let me tell you, you can't remove the church and still be faithful. There's this ideology that, well, you know, I, I'm still serving the Lord, I just don't go to church. That's not true. Now, if you're physically unable and you're watching the services, you're not able to be able to, to get somewhere and to, uh, to be a part, God adds us to the body. The Bible says that, that uh, he purchased the church with his own blood. There's a high value on the church. He didn't start the church just to say, I did it. No, he started the church and then he commissioned the church and the believers uh, with, the, good, with the, the great commission to take the gospel and, and win people to Christ, spread the gospel, uh, disciple, uh, see the, the people following the Lord in baptism uh, and being added to the church. You just see this burden uh, that Paul had. He was in conflict. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Take your Bibles, go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse number 28. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 28. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, He says, Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. You know what? Paul carried a weight there was a struggle. There was a, a spiritual weight that he carried, and it was for the people of God to be able to be who they were supposed to be in their growth, in their, their faithfulness, their service for the Savior. And so uh, we see, first of all here, uh, the conflict. Secondly, I want you to see the comfort. The comfort. The comfort of the believer. Go back to Colossians 2.2. Uh, Colossians 2.2, 2, he said that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love. Being knit together in love. You know, as you're running through the Old Testament and you get into Leviticus, it starts getting into all the, uh, the laws, the Old Testament laws. It gets into uh, the ceremonial laws. It'll start talking about uh, the uh, health uh, d ways to deal with health, and uh, it talks about leprosy. And when it talks about leprosy, you'll, you'll hear a term that is used over and over again, the warp and the woof. The warp and the woof. The warp is the, the strands of, of the weave that go one direction. The woof is the, the strand that goes the other direction. And, you know, when something is, is, is knitted together, what we find is that you can't hardly tear it apart. And the Lord said here that we are 
We, to, we are to be knit together in love. Knit together. Now, love brings joy. But the reality is sometimes love brings some great heartache. Sometimes when situations don't go right, Brother David, his mom is in the hospital this morning in an ICU on a ventilator. They're not sure whether or not she's going to make it. You know, there is sometimes that love that we have because we care, it hurts deeply. And Paul was saying that we are to be knit together in love. You know what? Knit together in love doesn't mean that everything's going to work out. I'm looking at Brother Ash. Going on three years now, Miss Terry's been gone. And that love that he has and that, that hurt that is there in her absence... And I look around and I see many that are in that same spot. And with that, we, we know that love can bring great joy, but love also can bring, bring hurt. But it should not separate us. Why? Because we're knit together. You know what a church needs? It needs people to be knit together. You know why? Because there's going to be some things that we just get to rejoice together in. And then there's going to be some things that we're just going to cry together in. There are going to be things that that love brings great joy, and there's going to be things where that love uh, brings great hurt and great turmoil in our life. But when you are knit together, you have somebody to, to support. You have someone to be right there next to you. You have somebody that's there to care. And what a blessing that, that that is. You know, as a child of God, we are never alone. Never alone. Now, sometimes we feel alone, don't we? Sometimes we feel like there's nobody else that understands, nobody else that cares. Uh, there was a, a lady who was raising her son by her, uh, her only son and her and her husband. And she was a believer and she brought her little boy to church with her uh, every single service. And, and uh, uh, as they would get ready to go to church, uh, the dad would say, a little boy asked dad, are you going to come to church with us? No, they don't care about me down there. Just another name, just another pledge. Just another name, just another pledge. The pastor would come over to visit, and in the back room, dad wouldn't come out. Yeah, they don't care about me down there. Just another name, just another pledge. And he would say it over and over and over again. And later, the, the son was an adult. And he, he relayed the fact that no less, he said thousands of times, every Sunday, every service, every time church or faith or Bible got brought up, they don't care about me, just another name, just another pledge. Later, that man grew older and health failed. He was in the hospital, he had cancer. They'd taken his throat out so he wasn't able to talk. 
And the son came to visit him, and he, when he walked into that hospital room, there were flowers everywhere. There was a stack of, of cards that were there in the, the hospital room, and uh, the son walked over, and he picked up one of the cards, and the dad was laying there, and he couldn't talk, but he could still write. And, and the son uh, read the, there was a little flower on that card as well, and flowers throughout the whole room, and he picked up one of these cards and started to read them. And, and the, the, the dad reached over, and he grabbed something, and he started writing. He said, tell them my story. Boldly tell them my story. And he handed it to the son, and the son looked back and said, Dad, what story do you want me to boldly tell? And he took the paper back, and he wrote down, they were wrong, I was, or I was wrong. All of the cards and all of the, the flowers, they were from the people that he had berated for all those years. He said, tell him I was wrong. You know, sometimes we might feel like nobody cares. Let me tell you something. The devil's a liar. He's a liar. You might feel like nobody does. You might feel like nobody understands. Well, we know the Lord understands. And you look around and you see a, a group of people. You know what I know? I know that the people right here, they care. And they might not understand all the needs, and they might not see the struggles, but they care. Isn't that so wonderful about God's people? They care. They might not know, they might not understand. But you see, Paul, he was in great conflict. He was in great conflict uh, that the people would not stay close to the faith, that, that conflict that was there. There was a conflict. Uh, he was struggling. He wanted to make sure that they, were, they understood uh, that there was comfort. Uh, and love can bring that, that great uh, comfort. All hearts hurt, and all hearts need to be loved. Uh, and all hearts need to love, and all hearts need to be loved. You know what we need to do? We need to be knit together. You know, it's hard to be knit together when we stay as individuals. Well, nobody cares. Nobody knows my name. Well, whose name do you know? Who, who have you reached out to try to love and help and encourage? You know, the people that are loved are the people that just love. You know why? Because we want to be loved. Every one of us, there is a yearning in our heart to be cared about and loved. You know, nobody, and, I, and I'm going to use just one person, I'm going to use Mrs. Cole, but you know what? Nobody that knows Mrs. Cole would doubt that she cares about you. I mean, it just comes out. You know what? That's something we need to all do. That's something we all need to work on. Well, that's just not my personality. Well, how does it feel to be alone? It's, it's hard to be alone. God says, Paul was in conflict. Why? 
because he wanted the people to feel that comfort. That for them to have that assurance, uh, that comfort there, being knit together in love, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. And that created a struggle in his heart. He was caring uh, about their condition. Why? Because he knew that that's what they needed. You know, a church needs to be knitted together in love. I was reading a, an article, and it was uh, about a church that was having a business meeting. And in this business meeting, it had lasted an hour and a half. 90 minutes into this business meeting, and I guess there was yelling, there was screaming. What a terrible business meeting. <laughs> I can't imagine. Praise God, we don't have business meetings like that. Uh, and so uh, anyway, so there's this business meeting that was going on, and, and there, were, there was all this arguments and bickering, and finally one gentleman, an older gentleman, very graciously stood up. And it created that awkward silence, like, okay, what's he going to say? And he finally makes the statement, who in hell cares? And everybody's like, <gasps> he said, don't misunderstand me. He said, listen to what I said. Who that has already died and is suffering the pains of hell cares about what we're arguing about right now? He said, we are arguing about something that doesn't matter. You know why we're not knit together in love? Because we're so focused on things that don't matter. You know, we all have personal preferences. We uh, look, look at the walls and you see the color of the paint. Do you know how many business meetings we had to determine what color paint was? Zero. Zero. When we were building this building over here, people were like, well, pastor, what color are we going to paint it? You'll see when, it, when it's done. Oh, well, what, what color? You'll find out. And some people love it and some people don't like it. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because it doesn't matter. There's a church across town that uh, uh, our banker went to the church and he, was, uh, he, he came to me and said, hey, I heard you guys are in building program and I heard you just redid, and this is several years back, heard you uh, repainted your auditorium and did some upgrades in there and said, yeah, we, we got some paint done. And he says, We're, we've got a board that is working on a committee on determining what the color, of this, the color scheme is gonna be and they've been meeting for a year to determine what color the auditorium is going to be. He said, could I give them, give them your contact information and maybe they want to come and see, they can at least look at us? That'd be fine. They came, looked around, and about a year later, I saw the banker again because he moved to a different bank. I said, so you get everything cared for? No, they're still trying to figure it out. 
two years on the color of the paint. You know what? We, we just got to be knit together in love and not allow. You know what? There are differences. We all see things differently. Uh, some want the lights brighter. Some want the lights lower. Some want colored lights. Some don't want colored lights. Some want uh, 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 a different color paint. It's all good. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. You know what we need to do? We just need to be knit together in love. You know why? So we can accomplish the mission that the Lord has left us here uh, to do. Uh, you know what we're to do? We're to love God. We're to love others. And we're going to try to share the gospel. That's what we're going to do. And if we keep those things focused, what we're going to do is we're going to accomplish something for the Lord. And Paul was, was concerned for these people uh, that their hearts might be comforted. And that comfort was going to be there when they were knit together in love. Thirdly, I want you to see uh, he was in conflict for the condition of their spiritual well-being. He was in conflict for the condition of their spiritual well-being. He knew that there was a battle raging. Understanding we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the, this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. We're, we're in a battle. And, and with that, Paul was concerned about their spiritual well-being. Verse number three or two, he said, And unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know what we need to do? We just need to keep our eyes on God. Keep our eyes on God. And we keep, keep our focus on him, and we keep seeking him. We, we keep a, a heart that is, is trying to learn the truths that he has given to us in his word and uh, him revealing himself to us. How many times you've been, uh, maybe you've been saved for many years, and, and, and you've read the Bible, and you, you read a passage again, and it's like, man, I never saw that before. Or, I mean, as a pastor, I'll, I'll preach and, and uh, see, and, you know, I read my Bible and I study and, and I'll hear another preacher preach and I'll, and I'll look at that passage. It's like, how come I couldn't get that out of there? I didn't see that at all. You know why? We just need to keep on searching. We just need to keep our eyes on him. You know what that does? It sort of puts some blinders up. If you've ever been around horses, You'll find that when there's a parade and there's going to be people, a lot of distractions, they'll put blinders on the horses. You know why? They want to minimize the distractions. They want to minimize the things that'll create fear and cause them to... to uh, to act up, to, uh, to get stare, scared, to get, take off. They, they just try to minimize that peripheral view or to, to minimize that. You know, when we keep our focus on the Lord, it just puts those blinders up. You just don't see it. Some people come to church and all they see is problems. Man, the preacher preached too long. Well, that never happens. 
The preacher preached too loud. He preached too soft. The song leader, he picked the wrong songs. Haven't they sung that special before? Can't they come up with another song? Now that one was a new one. But some people, all they see is the, they're looking for something negative. You know, when you look for negative, that's what you find. When you keep your eyes on the Lord, man, it's all good. I mean, somebody wants to sing a special for the Lord, man, my heart rejoices. I remember when I first got saved. Teenager, going to church. I listened to rock music. I mean, it was Ozzy Osbourne and Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, and I mean, it was the head-banging music. And, and I remember listening to all that music, and uh, I went to church, and somebody get up, and they'd sing something with a drawl, or they'd sing some song, and I was like, man, this is terrible. <laughs> they call this music? You know what, as I grew, as I got saved and grew as a believer, man, somebody get up and sing. Praise the Lord. Well, they don't sing as good as, who cares? They're praising the Lord. This isn't a show. If it was a show or a concert, man, pay the money and go listen to professionals. This isn't a show. Church isn't entertainment. This is a place where we can come and hear the word of God. We can can be spoke to by the spirit of God. We We can be encouraged. We can encourage. We can just fellowship together as family and rejoice in the Lord. You know what? Uh, we need to, to make sure that, uh, that as we're living our life, our spiritual well-being is worth being aware of. You know, as Paul, he had the care of all the churches. As a pastor, I have conflict over the spiritual well-being of our people. I pray for you when you don't pray for yourself. I'm concerned for you when I see you making steps going in a wrong direction. And it breaks my heart because I've watched it over and over again. And you see the destruction that comes. You know, we need to take, we need to take on that responsibility of caring about other people. All of us need to take that on. Spiritually, parents, do you do you have that care? that spiritual concern for the condition of your children? Do you have that spiritual concern for your spouse? 
Do you have that concern for those that might ride on the bus with you or for those that are in the bus ministry, those that you serve alongside? You see, if we were looking out for the spiritual well-being of people, when someone starts to drift, we'd be right there to try to help pull them back in. And you know what helps keep us on track? Is investing in somebody else. If we're not investing in anybody else, then I can skip out. I can back off. And it won't make, we we will feel as though it doesn't make a difference. Now it does. It does make a difference. And Paul had a concern for the spiritual well-being of these people. We're out of time, so I'm not going to go into all the different aspects here. But if we just keep our eyes on him, it'll take care of a lot of things. Keep our eyes on the Lord. When your, ten, when your tendency is to start looking at other people, some people are, they tend, I mean, they are just naturally, uh, their normal uh, outlook is positive. Some people's natural outlook is negative. That's a, that's a reality. Be honest enough with yourself to know which one you are. And when you start to go that way, pull reins in and say, hey, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I've got to work on my own spiritual condition. And how can I help anybody else if I'm going down the wrong path? Paul said he had great conflict. And that great conflict, that great struggle, that great battle, that great concern, it impacted how he lived. And because he cared, he kept on serving. Because he cared, he kept on going trying to reach as many people as he could. And you and I have that same opportunity to be able to be faithful to the Lord. And and if we will just keep our eyes on the Savior, we will get to enjoy uh, the blessings. Paul had great uh, struggle or conflict for the people of God. He wanted them to be able to enjoy all the blessings that God had available to them. You know what? I want everybody to enjoy everything that God has for them. I want to enjoy the blessings that God has for me. I don't want to miss out. And I have been able to enjoy so many blessings, not because I'm anybody special, but just because as he has been working in my life, he he has grown me. He's working on me. He's still working on me. But I want other people to be able to enjoy those blessings too. And we, we need to, to have that same, uh, that same conflict, that same struggle for ourselves and for those that we care about. Let's, let's not be passive when it comes to the faith. Let's be active in the faith.
Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. And, and Lord, just for your working in our lives. And we pray that you'd continue to work. Help us all uh, to just grow. Help us, Lord, to see uh, the needs that are around us and the needs that we have. And, and Lord, may you just lead us and guide us and, and protect us. Put a hedge of protection around us as we're living in a wicked world and uh, influences that are all around and uh, spiritual warfare. Help us, Lord. Lord, as we are living down here on this earth. And so we pray that you give us wisdom and guidance. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here this morning. And do you know Christ is your personal Savior? Do you know if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? Say, Pastor, that's me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I died right now, I'm going to heaven. I've been saved. You say, Pastor, that's me. Praise the Lord. Slip your hand up. There we go. Good, good. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know. You're unsure of your eternal destiny. Let me encourage you this morning. I won't come back to you. I won't embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. Just slip, slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. I'm not sure of my eternal destiny. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe there's some conflict in your soul. Maybe there's conflict for others. Maybe the conflict is because the not knit together in love. You say, Pastor, the Lord put his finger on something in my life this morning. Nobody's looking around. I say, Pastor, pray for me. The Lord put his finger on something in my life. Praise the Lord. I see your hands. I see your hands. Amen. Amen. Here in just a moment, we're going to stand and give you an opportunity to be able to do business with God. There's something about coming to an altar and bowing a knee and just following what he'd want you to do. Whatever decision it is that you need to make, let's make it today. Father, we thank you for those that have raised their hands. And Lord, as you're continuing to work, uh, may you lead us and guide us. Just speak to hearts, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's stand together as the instruments play. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you come. Maybe if you need to be saved. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism and, or, or join the church. Whatever decision it is, that you need to make. Let's make it today. Uh, uh, men are down front. You come. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.